Hey everybody, Donnie Bovine here. Thank you so much for listening to the episodes. Do me a favor, if you get any value out of these, would you leave me a review? It would mean the world to me. I'm on a massive mission to help as many people as I possibly can get to freedom through building a business. I gotta be honest, building a business is by far the toughest thing I've ever done in my life, and I promise you, my business has worked on me more than I've ever worked on it. I don't think there's a better tool in the world to meet the dude in the mirror than building your own company. You're going to find out what the hell you're made of. In these episodes, I bring on the people that have been through it, gone through it, done it, built monstrous companies, and I get them to coach me on how to actually level up, grow, and scale my business. They're hitting me with some hard questions. They're bringing some amazing advice. And, and I'm telling you, I take notes from every one of these episodes from these people that have actually lived it. They've gone through it and have turned their businesses into amazing empires. So I hope you find a ton of value in this. And I hope that this becomes something you come back to and listen to often. The three core functions are marketing. How do I build awareness, attention, desire, right? The second is sales. How do we convert, upsell, resell? And then how do we deliver the operational side of this? And so you do eventually have to get to the sweet spot of what you love doing, how you serve people, and the value in which you're, you're providing them. And really, really, really well. And I'm actually proud as, as far as we brought the company. And I know we got a long way to go. And I love that the direction of the show is more of, okay, I'm in growth mode. So how do I continue to grow this thing? So that's a, a lot of fun. And I, and I keep telling people, I keep bringing on guests like you, Jerry, that this is free coaching advice for me, right? And I hope the listeners get value out of me asking the questions I want the answers to. Um, and, you know, I get you exposure and you give me advice. So um, I really love that thought process. So... So Jerry, I haven't known you long, but the short time we've been together, man, we've done a lot of things, done a lot of interviews. So I'm stoked to have you here. My biggest thing that I'm curious with you in particularly is why do so many people struggle being an entrepreneur and building their business? Yeah, I, I think it's a great one, Donnie, and I've appreciated getting to know you as well. So w one of the things that I think uh, that I see is people start businesses because they're a technical leader. And they believe they can do something and solve a problem better than other people can, which is to say, I have a problem that I can solve, but that doesn't mean that I'm great at business. And so people don't understand the levers of their business. They just use hope as their strategy to create profits for the business. And then they become sorely disappointed when their CPA says, yeah, you put a couple shekels in the bank, but you didn't keep any of them. And so one of the things that I, I like to get people in the mindset about is operating their business on a financial model so that, for instance, if I want to make 80 grand this year and I know that my operating expenses are $20,000, and let's just say I'm a consultant, so I'm charging $100 an hour, that means I have to have a thousand billable hours for the whole year. Right. Now, if I'm going to take two weeks off, that means I'm billing 20 hours a week. So how am I going to go do that? Once we understand what we want to go do, then we have to go out and actually execute on the how of it. So how many clients do I need? 
how many hours am I billing each of my clients? So if I'm billing four of them uh, five hours a week, then I'm on my path to making 80 grand a year. But people just get in this cycle of um, doing things without any understanding of whether it's actually going to generate profits for them. Yeah, I can say that when I first started out, I mean, I started off as a success coach and Jerry to this day, I have no fucking clue what a success coach is, right? Um, I can tell you it's a business whore that just says yes to anything, right? Yep. <laughs> um, but I didn't understand how to bill my clients. Right. Um, I didn't understand what I should be charging them. So it started off with some sort of weird, you know, lit you know, pay me a thousand dollars and we'll do three sessions type thing. You know, yep. then it went from that of, okay, let's do X amount of dollars. You know, I had clients that paid me $2,500, $5,000 and we'll go for six months type thing. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and it wasn't till I got down to the idea of MRR, monthly recurring revenue. Yep. That I started to wrap my head around this idea of there's a financial model that will allow me to, by my freedom, because I always yes. tell everybody, you know, there's 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 a certain amount of income coming in that allows you to live, not not survive, not thrive, but live. And if you can cover that base yep. with monthly recurring revenue, now you can do some cool things. So I turned all my business towards subscription models. Mm -hmm. where people could pay me ongoing. But I can tell you, even to this day and age, I haven't thought much about what the structure looks like as far as I need to make amount, this X amount of money. You know, What does that look like from a time standpoint? We've been focused solely on how can I increase the base of people paying me a monthly subscription. Mm -hmm. So is there another way I should be looking at that? Well, I, I think always starts with begin with the end in mind. So what is the outcome that I'm trying to create? And I say this all the time. For them what, or for me? Uh, so for you being the owner of the business, you, you are always looking to you know solve an important painful problem so that people right. will continue to pay you for it even when times are tight. And you've got to be really clear about who your ideal client is. So start there. Got right? it. Then once you have that solid you have to understand there are what I called um, inflection points in your business. So you will get to a point where you are wildly profitable. Let's just say you're serving 100 people. And in order to serve the 101st person, you might have to add a whole nother team right. inside your company. And that 101st person actually makes you less profitable than you were at 100 people. Right. So understanding that's at the top end of your operational efficiency. And it may not make sense for you to add 101. You may say, you know, what? we're so busy right now. We're going to cap what we have. We're going to add people in in September so that you can damn that demand. Add 20 people. And now you're back off to the races because then you can bring in the operational structure that's required to run that. And you're not actually going backwards by adding the incremental one that forces you into operational inefficiency or the lowest end of your profitability. And so that's the the thing that I think about there. Yeah. No, I, I liked it because I've always looked at it from a perspective of, okay, what's capacity? What can we handle? Mm -hmm. 
right? Mm -hmm. What is the mechanism we need to do next? Do we need to upgrade to a new software? Do we need to uh, bring on a new personnel? Cool. That requires X amount of new people mm -hmm. on our MRR, on our subscription models to be able to make that happen. And yes. then it's always figuring out the game plan. Okay. Okay, cool. If we need to add a hundred people in the subscription model, you know, how do we do that? And what levers do we turn to actually make that happen? So fundamentally then what I'm hearing you say that it should be instead of maybe looking at it from a, how many members do we add to the, to the bottom line is how do we look at everything as an entire system and see where it fits incrementally? Did I get yeah. that right? Yes, because you have to think about there's three core functions of every business. Okay. The three core functions are marketing. How do I build awareness, attention, desire, right? The second is sales. How do we convert, upsell, resell? And then how do we deliver the operational side of this? And so when you think about your business, Ooh, it's a I'm going to add one more on there. Go ahead, then do it. How do we keep them? Right. So there's delivery and then there's keeping them. And I think those are two different things. Um, yes. Yeah, so I've had this conversation a lot of where does customer service fall? Is that an operation or is that a marketing function? I'm going to tell you it's a sales function. Fair, fair enough. Right. Um, I think a great operational experience is marketing because it helps you with the resell of that. Um, but those things have to work in concert with one another. So as I, as I think about that, um, that equation, you have sales and marketing on one side and you have operations on the other. And so if I have operational capacity, so I can put a hundred widgets through and I'm only at 50, then I have a sales and marketing problem, right? Cause I, I'm, I'm burning more resources than I actually need. So you need to do a better job of marketing and then converting. And once you get to that space where you've now tipped at the other side, you have to think about things in operational capacities. Like you just said, I've got 120 clients, but I can only deliver 100. Well, what does it take for me to get to that next stage of growth and equalize that, um, that back and forth? The trick becomes um, if you're marketing and it's not converting, then you have to look and say, is my marketing speaking to my ideal client or do I have a sales process problem? Because, you know, sometimes you do a little bit of this, Donnie, depending on uh, <laughs> whether you've outsourced your sales or you're, you're doing it internally, but you know, Hey, the leads that we're getting aren't good quality leads and the sales people say we're, we're following the process, but you know, it's not working. The sales, the uh, marketing people say, you know, we're, we're bringing the right people in that the sales people can't convert them. That is an ecosystem that you have to figure out um, yourself to get to the space that you want to. All right. So that's the bigger business side of thing. Let's, let's change that up just a bit. So if I'm a corporate escapee, right? Yep. So I left corporate America. I'm now doing an entrepreneur and I'm on the grow and I'm trying to figure this out. So I don't have full on marketing strategy yet. I don't have full on sales strategy yet. I'm saying yes to anything that comes through. Mm -hmm. How do I start to rethink the business so I get in this mindset because I know for me, as I was trying to build the business, I was a sales guy all my years, yep. right? The idea of thinking about operations and delivery and, oh, shit, I got to do accounting, right? You know, all that stuff. 
it was never a need for that. My job was to go get them, turn them over to somebody else. Somebody else build and did all the operational things, and now I got to do it all. Yep. So it's been one hell of an evolutionary upgrade for me to learn how to do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But for somebody going through that, how do they start formulating this idea? How do I get marketing, sales, and operations and get this all dialed in? Yeah, I, I think it always comes back to what's the important painful problem that I'm going to solve? Who am I solving it for? Because uh, what I see happen a lot is people end up in um, trying to preserve optionality. We can do anything for anyone. Like right. you said, you know, the, 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 the corporate. That was door. my problem. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do anything for anyone. And, you know, I, I laugh with people, but I, I say, you wouldn't offer a haircut to a bald person. <laughs> and yet there's plenty of people because they're willing to try and do anything and to make it work. Um, that's where you get yourself in trouble. That's where you become easily disposable. And I've said this a lot in my career. I've made more money saying no than I have saying yes. So the discipline and focus of just saying, hey, I believe in the long term of this so that I have the financial resources. I'm not trying to make my rent or my mortgage this next month. Um, I have a little bit of, of bandwidth to, to uh, make good decisions. Otherwise, you take bad deals and you suffer the consequences of that in the short term. And that's okay. But you do eventually have to get to the sweet spot of what you love doing, how you serve people, and the value in which you're, you're providing them. So I, I agree with that. Um, and I would add in there, you know, you got to build the business around the lifestyle you want to live as well. Totally. Right. Yeah. I, I, so one of the things that I, I say to, to people all the time is, you know, we're going to sacrifice for the business. There is no doubt about that. There is no entrepreneur or business owner that doesn't say like, oh, shit, I have to work really hard at this. But I turn that question around and I say, what do you want the business to do for you? Right. 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 Because if you don't ask that question, then you're always going to be disillusioned by the business. It's never going to stand up to what it is that you want. I'll give you an example. I have a a client that I work with. They're in construction. And when we went through this process, they said to me, we do not want to be the biggest construction company. We want to be operationally excellent in a stress-free environment where our customers love us. We want to take one vacation every quarter with our family. We want to do one house project every half of the year. We have three kids. We want to have three college funds. And we were very clear in short order of the lifestyle business that we were going to create for them. It took us about 18 months, but last year they had their best year ever, their most profitable year ever, the most cash in the bank, and they were stress-free. They were having fun in their business. And I think that's the place that you need to get to, which is how is the business going to serve me? And we get really intentional about building that business. And it comes back to, you know, again, I'll give the the example of, you know, running through the mechanics of your business. If you want to make 80 grand, but you can't do 20 billable hours, you can only do 10. Guess what I know about your business? You need to charge $200 an hour right, right. To, to get there, right? So you start to understand the levers in your business uh, because when you really sit down and think about it, there's only six ways that you can grow your business. There's only six of them. Fire away. You can have new customers. You can sell them new products or existing products. You can have existing customers and sell them new products or existing more of existing products. You can raise your prices or you can acquire a company. Those are the only six ways that you can grow your company. Why I missed one. New customers, new product or existing product, 
existing customers, new product or existing product, raise your prices. Or acquisition. You can acquire a company. That's five still. <laughs> now there's there's four four, right? Existing customers with new products or existing products. There are existing customers with existing products or new products. Pricing, that's number five. Yep. I can raise my price or I can acquire a company. I can Got it. look and say, hey, hey you're uh, in the same business as me, but you want to retire and I don't want to. Let me buy your business and you can uh, immediately grow your sales from there. Hey, Donnie Bovine here, CEO of Success Champions Networking. And I just want to jump in really quick and tell you about the network. Success Champion Networking isn't for the beginning networker. It's for the business people that understand that building a successful relationships is a two-way street requiring commitment from both parties involved. Stop wasting time networking with people that don't understand how to leverage their network to generate quality referrals for you. If you're ready to network with business people that are tired of doing all the heavy lifting and want to build real partnerships that generate high revenue referrals, visit one of our chapters today at successchampionnetworking.com and I look forward to seeing you there. So I know for most of the people that listen to the show, it's the, how do I acquire more clients? How do I mm -hmm. find more business? Um, and they're trying to be all things to all people. So we know you got to find that major pain point. And for, and for most people starting a business, it's going to be the fourth or fifth business idea Mm -hmm. That becomes the business that they actually create, right? Because yep. we all got to go through the hardship of figuring out all the things we don't want to do. Yes. So let's say they've figured out the business. They're on business four, business idea four or five. And this mm -hmm. is going to be the the one that they run with. They found a little bit of success. They've brought on some clients. Um, how do they ramp up continuing to find new clients, growing their internal base, upselling and cross-selling, you know, those type of clientele? Mm -hmm. We'll go to operational sec in a second, but, you yep. know, from the business development on the front end. Yeah. So uh, the first the first piece that I would um, look for is uh, the people that I'm already working with, typically birds of a feather flock together. So I would ask for referrals from my existing customers. Do you know someone who... Uh, would enjoy a relationship like ours or could benefit from the product or service that I'm offering. So always start with the core because those people are your raving fans because they're already paying you for what you do. And so ask them first. Love it. The, the second it, place, the second place that I would go is I'd look at my customers and I would say, huh, where do those people hang out? Where are the watering holes? What clubs are they in? Are they in the Chamber of Commerce? Have they applied to be on the Inc. 500 list? Are they on the best places to work? You're going to find hallmarks of the demographics and the psychographics of those people who are investing in themselves. Uh, maybe that's a geography. But that would be the place where I would spend some time understanding the people who are already doing business with me and paying me. Where can I find more of them in the same way? And then once I have a hallmark of like a benchmark, I'm a big fan of the ultimate sales machine and taking a dream 100 strategy and saying, okay, who are the people that fit this criteria that would change the trajectory of my business if I added them as a consumer? Hmm. And, you know, it, it's, you don't need a thousand clients. You don't need 10,000 clients. You need 10 to change the trajectory of your business. Then you need 50, 
then you need a hundred. But just start with marketing to a handful of them as opposed to taking a very shotgunned approach. Yeah, no, I like that because starting off for a lot of people, I know I was, I was, let's get one, let's get one, let's get one, Mm -hmm. let's get one. And that stayed for a long damn time that I realized, would you quit looking for one and go, how do I get 10? Mm-hmm. You know, then how do I get 20? And then, you know, now it's okay. How do we get our next 500? Yes. Um, um, and we keep expanding and growing beyond there because it's an evolutionary. I mean, you literally as a business owner are going to evolve to a different version of yourself, right? Um, because you've got to constantly upgrade your skills and, and move forward. Um, I truly think there's no better vehicle in the world to meet the man in the mirror than building a business because you're yes. going to find out what you're made of really damn quick. So, but most people can't wrap their head around how do I go get 10? How do I get 20? Because they've never been a sales professional, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they come from an operational background. They come from a maybe an accounting background or an executive background, but not actually a sales business development role. So it's a whole huge leap for a lot of people to go, I'm just really good at what I do. They should just want to buy my services. This is the number one thing I hear all the time. I'm like, well, you got to be able to tell them about your services too. That's right. How do they get that mental shift into the sales side of things, business side of things? So I think sales gets a, a dirty rap, Don. Agreed. And, and Agreed. Uh, I think it's a it's a horrible, bad, dirty rap. My my wife is a salesperson, runs a pharmaceutical company, and um, does a great job growing their sales. But when you change the mindset for people to say it's not sales, it's service. Hmm. Because when I am clear about the very important, painful problem that I solve and who I solve it for... It is a service for me to bring that to them and to get them out of pain. It actually is selfish for me not to introduce my product or service to say, Donnie, I see that you, you need this and I can help you. I'm selfish if I don't make that introduction. Right. And, And I think when we can get people out of this mindset, like sales is a dirty word. I would tell you it's a fucking amazing word because nothing happens in a business until we make a sale. Absolutely. And so um, if everybody's got this save the world mentality, right? You know, they they come out, they're like, man, I just want to, I want everybody to get X, right? But then they're like, but I can't sell that to them. Why not, you selfish asshole? I mean, that's (laughs) right. But it does, it does take that, that mental shift that I am actually being in service to these people. And if you can get people into that space of being convicted that I have the best solution. And Donnie, I would tell you if I, if I had the best solution for you, I would do it in a very genuine caring way, but I would make sure that you understood I could get you out of pain. Yeah. Yeah. I love that philosophy. I I think, I I don't think a lot of people, Really think about, you know, what is that big problem they're trying to solve? And I wrote that down. I'm very clear what I want to do, but I don't mm-hmm. think a lot of people are clear on what that big problem they're trying to solve is. They think that they run a construction company. They think that they, you know, run a consulting firm. They think that they run a, I don't know, coaching practice and they're, mm-hmm. they think they're an HR consultant, right? Yep. They don't actually package up what is that big problem. So if somebody's heard you say that, now heard me say that through this conversation, how do they figure out what that big damn problem is they're trying to solve beyond what they're doing? 
Does that, does yeah. that make sense? Yes. So I, I, I think it starts with two things. One is you have to think about it um, yourself. So getting into flow where work is not work, it's fun, requires you to uh, find the intersection of passion and purpose. So take notice of the things over the next couple of weeks that really get you fired up, that you're super excited about. And then I want you to think about problems that you see in the world that really bother you. It's a real frustration and not like, oh, world hunger. I, I want you to like get it down to, it's really frustrating to me that when I get off 295 and hop on Atlantic Boulevard, that there are 20 homeless people on that street corner who are hungry, right? If you can dive in and get really, really specific about problems that bother you, you're going to find the intersection of passion and purpose. And that's when you're going to get really excited about the problem that you can solve. And then you figure out behind that, the economics of it. Will anyone pay me to do that? Maybe yes, maybe no. Maybe there's right. government grants. I mean, there, there's a million things. But that's the fun part about it. Like for me, I love the business of business. I love getting entrepreneurs out of pain and thinking like, oh, you just have to grind and it has to hurt and you have to skip dinner with your family. It's like, no, fuck that. Right. Right. I've done that in my career. I mean, at 26, I put myself on a hospital bed um, growing a business. And so there are other ways to do it. But I would start with what is your passion? What is your purpose? What's that problem at that intersection that you can solve that when you get up every day, you think, oh, my God, this is amazing. I get to go do this. Then you'll be able to find the money behind it. Yeah, because I think for me, the dial moved when I realized that my my mission, my purpose, my everything was to get as many people to business freedom through, mm -hmm. you know, get that freedom through building a business to teach all the things I wish somebody was teaching me. And as soon as I wrap my head around that, a lot more people started leaning in in a, in a very, very rapid you know form. And it forced me to go, oh, shit, dude, you really got to be a CEO here and actually think like a CEO, which yep. is another mental freaking upgrade, you know, along the line. But I don't think people in general spend enough time sitting and thinking through what makes them tick. You know, what mm -hmm. are they actually trying to accomplish? I love that idea of what is it that you really want to do for people? What is that problem you want to solve? Because as soon as that clicked for me, I was all in. Like, all right, that makes sense to me. Then it was figuring out, okay, how do I do it? Yep. What is that vehicle to do it? Um, then for me, I think the economics came after that. You know, um, the, the economics always follow value. Right. So the bigger the bigger the problem that you're solving, and the more painful it is, the more money you can make. Right. So th that's why I never worry about the economics of something. Like find the passion, find the purpose, find the problem. The bigger, most painful problems get the biggest value. That's why you look at why does a heart heard, surgeon make the most money? Because he's solving a real big problem for someone. Yeah, I, I heard Alex Ramosi say, uh, you know, uh, if you f solve rich people's problems, you'll make rich people money. <laughs> yep. You know, uh, it was just a, a cool way of thinking. And I think a lot of times because people are only trying to solve issues for where they were at that moment in time, 
they're aimed at and targeting a, either a bunch of broke people or a bunch mm -hmm. of broke-minded people yep. versus thinking, you know, what's the bigger problem I could be solving for people? And, and it could be serving clients that are at a different stage of their business. Mm -hmm. So instead of helping startups, it could be you're helping companies that are five, six years down the road, you know, really get after it because you've done the things that, you know, they're doing. Yeah. And, and I think, I think to your point, right. I think the highest purpose of life is fulfillment. And Agreed. in my estimation, Agreed. fulfillment is literally the alignment of here's my vision for the world. Here are my values. Here's what makes me feel good in achieving that, that vision. And here are my actions. When I put those three things in alignment, you got a real straight spine you're going to stand up straight. You're going to puff your chest out because you're living your life on your terms. And that is the greatest gift that you can give to yourself, to the world and to your family. And it's when we feel, you know, I, I've met lots of people. And I'm sure you have too, Donnie, where they are financially wealthy and emotionally bankrupt yeah, yeah, yeah. because they sold their soul out for some other thing. And they're like, yeah, I just don't feel good about that. And, um, uh, I would advise people not to do that. Yeah, for sure. And but I, the, there's also like I talked to Lon Stroneheim. Sorry, Lon, I screwed up your last name, but he runs the Normal Forty, and you know he he talks about the trade all the time. Mm -hmm. And at some point in your life, you're going to make a trade because the one version of you got you here, but now you realize there's more to life than than that. And I think everybody kind of gets to a crossroads somewhere in their life. They're like, okay. That was a moment in time. I was in my early 20s. I was going to get after it. I was going to make a lot of money, right? But now I want to spend more time with my family. You know, uh, and for me, this is why you got to get so focused on with your business is what is the life you want to live? You know, how do you want this business to work around your lifestyle and not you change your lifestyle for the business? Yes. And, and keeping that in, in mind because people oftentimes, Instead of building a company, they create a really shitty job for themselves. Mm -hmm. And they actually recreate the world that they were trying to escape. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I love conscious intention, right? And, and you, when you get back to that place of like, okay, what's my North Star? What's the vision? What's the impact? I don't care if you call it mission, vision, BHAG, whatever it is. That's my North Star. Every decision should pass through your values. Does this thing make me feel good? And does it contribute to the impact that I want to go make? Okay, good. Let's go on doing that. And you, you, you won't get emotionally bankrupt doing that if you do it again and again and again, because are, you know, I say this all the time. Are you a company worth joining? Are you the mm. type of leader worth following? Because, you know, I've run some high growth companies. You know, if your company is doubling in revenues, did you double your skills? Otherwise, if you don't keep on doing that, the business is going to pass you by. Yeah, I think most people, they get something off their plate and then replace it with the same level activity. Yeah. You know, and, and if you're not replacing what like you bring on new employees and their job is to take over a task, a system, a process, whatever. Mm -hmm. Instead of going and adding up a new skill set or a new level of things for you to do, a higher paying value, 
then you transfer. Now you just go over and you do something that's the same level, same value, and your business doesn't grow. It just costs you more to operate now. A hundred percent. I mean, one of the things that I, I teach entrepreneurs is you should have, if you're the CEO of the company, you should have an hour a day in white space. What do you mean people, by white space? Thinking. Oh, okay. So white, white space is just the ability to, I don't have anything in particular in that slot every day. I am thinking about the product or service that we, that we bring in. I think about the client and the customer experience. I think about partnerships. Man, that's and it's hours, a lot of time. Well, I would, t- I would tell you not planning your business, not being intentional is way more costly than actually taking time to think about your business. Otherwise you're just on the hamster wheel, Donnie. You're, so, you're, ne- you're not going to get to a place where you don't, don't just replace one for one, the, the task for another task. You have to get your mindset leveled up. Someone has to have their head above the landscape of the business to say, the fuck are we doing? Because if I just keep on spinning the mouse wheel, that is hard to scale. For sure. So that hour of time, Mm -hmm. is that the CEO by themselves, that me sitting by myself going, what's the business doing? Or can an advisor step in that role and go, all right. Walk me through it. Absolutely. There's, there's a million ways that you can spend time in white space. It is literally the, the intentional time of working on your business. Every time you say white space, yeah. my mind goes, I'm, that means I'm staring at a fucking blank wall. Right. No, I know. <laughs> and, it's, and it is so – when I introduce this concept to entrepreneurs, they look at me like I'm crazy. You know why? Because w- what have we always been rewarded for? Doing the doing. Yeah. Like I yeah. go and I churn, 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 churn. And the more appointments that I have on my calendar, the better I am. Yeah. Except when you're the CEO or you're a senior leader inside your company. If you are not thinking about the path that the company is on, you are failing as a leader. And I don't care if that's, Hey, Donnie, I'm going to, I'm going to schedule an hour with you and we're going to talk about this thing. I, like it could be partnerships. It could be, Hey, this person's grown a business to a place that I want to. Can I get 15 minutes with them and ask them three very pointed questions about how they did it? I could take a walk with one of my senior leaders and talk about, geez, why we've been missing on operations. There's a million ways to spend your time in white space, but it is absolutely the focus of spending time on your business as opposed to spinning the mouse wheel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, cause uh, I will even challenge myself saying I get caught in the minutia of mm-hmm. running the company, right? You, you get going a hundred miles an hour and I've tried to put quote unquote white space in with operational meetings, sales meetings, you know, yeah. and, and what I'm hearing you say is that's not enough. It's not enough. I mean, right. th- th- those are typical things that you need to do. You need to communicate and, and sync up inside, inside the company. But when you really get down to it, who's charting the path forward? Right. Who's charting the path forward? Who's sitting and thinking, hey, what's the next city that we're going to bring our service to? Right. How are we going to do that? Who's in that market? Who do I need to start talking to to see that market? I mean, those are things that we should be doing as the senior most leaders because what I find is people end up with task lists. Here are all the things that I need to do. Right. As a CEO, you should not have have it. 
two pamphlets sitting next to me with my to-do list, right? You should not have to-do list. You know what you should have? You should have strategic objectives that you're trying to create for the business. And then every day you should be thinking, what's the thing that I need to do to contribute to this strategic objective? So how do you go from to-do list to strategic, easy for you to say, objective? <laughs> um, it, it's not easy, right? I'm, let me raise my hand. I, I have been in the minutia of, of business. I, I call it the high achievers trap. Here, here, here's what happens. We think that we have to do all the doing. We don't have to do all the doing. We have to resource the jobs to be done. So for instance, I, I don't like billing. I don't like administration. I don't like calendar management. I don't like all of these things that in order for my business run need to happen. You know what I did? I hired an assistant. And I'm so grateful that Maria is in my life. She handles all of that. And you know what I get to do? I get to level up and think about the things that I should be thinking about and charting the course for the company. See, I what keep are, telling my team, I need an assistant. You know, it's irresponsible for you not to have an assistant. I'm, you know what? I'm putting that on loop and playing that for my entire team, Jerry. Uh, uh, Jerry says you, I'm irresponsible. So You are. It is a bad use of your time. I bet you if we pulled those, those to-do lists out and we started looking at them, those are not unique zones of genius for you agreed those are just shit that you got to get done and you know once you have a couple shekels in the bank and you got your your business moving most people are like get they get afraid no you have to reinvest in your business right it's the greatest gift that you can give i'm buying my time back so i pay an assistant at a lesser rate than i'm paying myself and i'm buying that time back so that i can at four o'clock, I can be in the pool with my fucking kids because right. that's cool. To, that's cool to me. But Maria's doing the finishing touches on my day of like, hey, here are the five things that I need you to get done for me. That's an amazing buyback of time. And it's inexpensive to do it. Yeah, no, it's smart. I think I've always looked at because we have a lot of VAs. We have a lot of people that do different things. But I've never looked at it from the perspective necessarily of freeing up my own time. So guess I will now, Jerry. Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> yeah. how, 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 how much is your time worth, Donnie? What, um, if, you, if you had to put a value of a, a, an hour of Donnie's time, what is I, it? You know, I, I broke it down one time just to see what it was. And it sits at about three seventy-five dollars to almost $500 an hour Yep, based off of where we're at and the things we're doing. Yeah, perfect. Right? So um, – would you be willing to pay someone to buy back 10 hours of your time? I am so, now. Oh, oh, over, <laughs> oh, over, over the course of a month, right? You're, you're talking about giving your spying back high value activities where you can spend time on 375 to $500 an hour type things for the business. And the 10 hours, they go to an admin who can work four times slower than you to get all that shit done. And we're still way ahead of the game. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'll speak for myself. You got, I often get caught in the idea of, well, I got to go grow the business, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to outsell me. Nobody's going to outproduce me, at least at this point in my business. So that's my core job. But to do that, all this other stuff's got to get done. So for me, it's, it's been the, 
well, let's time block my calendar. This hour is dedicated to this. This mm-hmm. hour is dedicated to this. This hour is dedicated to this. But it's all low value targets, right? Versus, totally. you know, it's it's the stuff that needs to get done versus, you know, the stuff that puts me out front. He, 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 here's, here's what I want you to do if you're open to this. Yeah, yeah, totally. I want you to take in the next two weeks, and I know next week's a holiday, but next two weeks. Oh, I'm working. Yeah. Okay. I'm taking off. Um, I want you to at 11 o'clock and at five o'clock every day, just scratch down. Here were the seven or eight things that I did. And here's about how long it took, right? Just keep it on an Excel um, document. You don't have to be like real, real specific. And in two weeks, we're going to look at all the shit that you're doing that doesn't actually contribute to growing your business that should be administrative in nature, that doesn't require Donnie's decision-making capability to do it. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to take all that shit and we're going to get it off your plate so that you can actually go grow your business. And when you do that exercise, you are going to be shocked <laughs> at, the, at the things that come to your plate because you know part, part of that also is training your people around you to have you know the frameworks how do we make decisions inside of our company? Do we have a decision-making framework? We should, if you want to ease the burden of leadership, then everyone's clear about how we make decisions. We walk it through a framework. And you know what the gift you get is you get to go on vacation without your phone ringing and saying, hey, Donnie, what should we do here? I don't ever get the what should we do here. Okay. So so for for me, it's the client reaching out it's the social media keeping up with mm-hmm. um you know the dms those type of messages like yesterday i got a guy that uh had i don't even know who he was but he sent me a dm goes hey this is the the email i'm sending out to people and i'm getting no responses because well, mm-hmm. the whole email was freaking trash it was it was yep. greaseball so i quickly fixed that i love doing that kind of stuff because that grows my brand that guy's going to tell somebody else hey you know donnie will help fix your problem and stuff mm-hmm. so i don't get the the what decision do we make here it's the hey this is where i'm at on x yep right so so I, i'll give you an example i was i was brought in to run a construction business we were at 7 million. We got to 30 million in three and a half years. And one day the owner of the company that had brought me in said, Oh, I'm, I'm going to run across to the panhandle, which was about a six hour run because he wanted to go see a realtor that we worked with. And I said, do you realize how much that trip is costing us? And he was like, no, I have no idea. And you know, this, this company, we were doing very, very well. So it was about a $12,000 trip for him to run over there, stay the night and run back. <laughs> and he had never thought about how much money he made, uh, you know, as we were growing that business. Right. Here, here was the trait. He loved doing that, Donnie. He loved being in the field. He loved interfacing with people. That was his zone of genius. Running the business was not his zone of genius. Right. Which is why he brought me in to be CEO. And so for you, if you love doing that, then I would tell you, go do that, but go bring someone in who's going to help scale your business or do the things that you know, often the business needs. Um, Cause I've heard a lot of people doing that, um, mm-hmm. that they, they have a particular area and you know, let's be honest, I'm a sales guy. 
yeah. you know, uh, I carry the title T- CEO um, and I'm running teams and the likes, but you know, often there's a lot of ideas that come up and everything, but you know, this is all new learnings. You know, totally. every year you're learning something new that you didn't know before. And every year you're breaking shit and going, oh, well, that didn't work. Yep. What's the SOPs? What are the things we put in place moving mm-hmm. forward? But I've often wondered if we brought in somebody that actually knew, had done this shit already in a different industry, different thing. Would that allow me to do more of the things I want to do? Or would my ego get in the way and I wouldn't want to give up? perceived power oh i mean you have to answer that question but i've 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 seen it happen very successfully i I think about this that you know people um, look at the construction business that i ran and you know it was inc 500 best places to work all the fun things that you'd want to clip out of the newspaper and send your mom but um what what i lay in bed and think about is if i had brought my coo in earlier could we've gotten to 50 million dollars that's where that's where i fucked up Right. right. We, I mean, we maximize the opportunity, but could have maximized it more by bringing the right person in earlier. And I would encourage you bring, maybe just bring a COO in who's handling all of the minutia of the systems and the process. You're not a systems and process guy. I, God, I, no. I, I know, I know you're not right, but you're a great face of the company. You should be out in front. You should be right. espousing the, the point of view of the company, but get people to do the other stuff. Because you will go like gangbusters and then you just tell them to figure out the mess that you left behind. <laughs> right. Which has been my MO my entire life. You know, as a sales guy, my job was to go sell it. Totally. The company's job behind me was to clean up the mess and make it freaking work. And I got in a lot of heated conversations from the company saying, well, totally. we can't do it in that time frame. Well, no, no, that's not an option. We're Elon Musk in this thing. Get it done. Right. That's right. Um, and that's, and, and that's, not to tout Elon Musk, but that's one of my favorite things about the guy is, you know, he'll set a deadline and it's, let's get there. I work better off of that. I don't need to know the how we're going to do it behind mm-hmm. the scenes. I just know this is what we're going to hit. Yep. Yeah. And I, I just, I think, uh, you know, I have a company that I work with out in Denver, um, you know, that's, that is growing great CEO, great owner CEO. And what he got to was, I'm a great CEO at under 50 people when I can great man theory Mm. this thing forward. I can walk down the hall and say, we're going to go make this shit happen. But the aspirations for the company are significantly beyond that. And what he got to was, I'm not the best person to grow this company and I don't enjoy it. Mm. And so we've gone out and um, we've hired a CEO. He starts July 5th. And, you know, what we've done is we've put guardrails in. Like, here are the decisions that um, the owner needs to be brought in on. If we're going to make an acquisition, if we're going to send spend over X number of dollars, if we're going to make a change to the vision or the values, if we're going to make a change at the senior leadership level, otherwise, operationally, CEO, go run this thing and go run it out on the plan. And for you... And hit these benchmarks. And hit, uh, very clearly. We, right. we, we right. have them very clear, right? Right. So, right. you know, h- here are the agreements that we have. And here are the results that we need, right? Mm. So, so we have both sides of that. It's like a train running down the tracks and you just slot them in. Here are the behaviors that we need to, to make that happen as we, as we go on the journey together. So for you, by the way, um, 
you're the majority owner of the company? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So, so at the end of the day, um, you don't need the ego because it's all yours. You can make every decision that you need to, or make a change. And so what you're really interested in is how do you help people to business freedom in their life? Yep. And how do you scale that as quickly as possible? Cause yep. that's your responsibility. Yep. And so get someone in behind you to, you know, be the guy behind the elephant cleaning up the mess and you get out front and, and grow this thing. Because yeah. I, I, I believe in you. I, I mean, no, 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 for sure. your for energy sure. I mean, is amazing. We, we've done really, really, really well. And I'm actually proud of, as, as far as we brought the company. And I know we got a long way to go. And I love that the direction of the show is more of, okay, I'm in growth mode. So mm-hmm. how do I continue to grow this thing? So that's a, a lot of fun. And I, and I keep telling people, I keep bringing on guests like you, Jerry, that this is free coaching advice for me, right? Mm-hmm. And I hope the listeners get value out of me asking the questions I want the answers to. Um, and, you know, I get you exposure and you give me advice. So yep. um, I really love that thought process. So, um, you know, our team that we currently have is amazing people. Mm-hmm. You know, Kevin is an automation whiz. Keith is working with, you know, our presidents of all of our groups and the like. Mm-hmm. Bob has come in as kind of a business mentor. Um, Jessica's stepping up to work with our presidents and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we've got a really good team. What I don't have is a functional COO that is really looking at the entire system going, all right, what what is the process systems and everything else we got a lot of theory i think happening behind the scenes so coo is definitely because i know we need marketing help but coo is going to be the next play for sure yeah i I think when you look at the entrepreneur ceo they they fulfill three roles ceo coo and cfo yes those are the three that they hold on to the longest and then you just have to make a decision of well, I don't really like finances or I'm not good at finances. And so I need to bring someone in. I'll muddle my way through COO until I get some more profits. Um, for you, I would say your business is probably, if you have good automations, you probably have the accounting piece of it, you know, um, portion of the account, but yeah. Yeah. Pr- pretty clean. And so my next place would be, how do we get Donnie out of the minutia of the business and give him the gift of a COO? Cause when you do that, um, man, Donnie, it's like, it's the greatest gift that you'll give yourself to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not to say that you don't trust the team that you have. I'm sure you do. Right. But when you, when you have a, a, a Robin to your Batman, it's like, okay, I knew that Zach Mitchell was going to execute the shit out of anything he told me he was going to go do. And when I said like, hey, I have this crazy idea, like, all right, let me go figure it out. And next thing you know, it was implemented. It was like, holy shit, this is incredible. My ability to scale the business is... And it just, it's a game changer and it's the greatest gift that you can give to yourself. Love it. Love it. So Jerry, we could keep doing this all day long. I've enjoyed the hell out of this conversation and thank you for it, by the way. Um, how do people get in touch with you? Yeah. Um, pretty active on LinkedIn. So you can find me, Jerry McNamara. And and what's the name of your show, man? Cause you're doing it all the time. Yeah, totally. Um, best places to lead. So if you go to bestplacestolead.com, which uh, you were on and, and yep. a terrific guest on. And uh, company-wise, it's provenchaos.com. And you know, people say, oh, I love the, the name of your company. I said, yeah, because I work with companies that have proven there's a marketplace, but they're in chaos because their people, their systems, or their processes haven't kept pace. And so I'm the one that um, you know 
works with the CEO. They look a little harried, look a little stressed, and we get them <laughs> back to creating that compelling company that they're proud of. And to me, the greatest gift is you know that fulfillment, um, which for most uh, of the CEOs that I work with, it's making sure that they get to their kids' sports games and, and home for dinner yeah. uh, and building a, a company that they're super proud of. Love that. And guys, if you've enjoyed this episode, Jerry is speaking at our Badass Business Summit and going to be bringing this knowledge to the table. So so come meet Jerry in person. Come hang out with me and the rest of the folks are going to be there. It's going to be a hell of a time here in Texas. So Jerry, I seriously appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much for the advice. Um, you're just a good dude. And, and so thanks for being you, my friend. Um, thanks for being you too. And uh, I'm looking forward to the honor of speaking and you know, sharing the hard fought lessons that I've learned, got my teeth bashed in. No one has to get their teeth bashed in too. So let's do it together. Love it. Guys, thanks for tuning in. Do me a favor if you made it this far with us, freaking take a screenshot of this episode, put it out on social media and tag me and Jerry. And I promise we'll both jump in and say hello. Um, and we know that you got more value out of this and we need to continue down this path in this type of content. So otherwise, love you, mean it. See you, bye. When I created Success Champions, it was on the idea that most people make themselves an island as they're growing their business. Yet they just don't want people to know how bad things are because if anybody knew how bad things are, nobody would do business with you. So like me, they don't often reach out for advice. They don't get support. They just try and put their head down and grind through it. And let's be honest, man, that, that lifestyle sucks. And when you're constantly trying to find yourself to push through it and figure it out on your own, it often leads to misery. We created Success Champions so you don't make yourself an island, so you don't build your business alone. There are a ton of people that are going through it on the same journey that are looking for the same advice you are. Maybe they've been through it and are looking to help. So come hang out with Success Champions. Go to successchampionnetworking.com, go visit one of our peer groups, and let's help you actually get to business freedom. Don't build your business alone. Come hang with us as Success Champions.